And I'm not talking about the stereotypical money, you know, or things. It's the actual motivation. Like, why are you doing what you do? Why are you in sales? And I find that you have to tailor yourself to a specific person and persona regardless of role. And if you're able to understand who they are and what they, why they want to do what they want to do, you, and you tend to have better results and, and actually impact people more. Welcome to the Sales School Podcast. My very special guest on today's episode is, is Walid Haboob. Walid, how are you? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. It's great to have you on. I appreciate it. I've known you for many years now. You're a phenomenal individual. Do you, would you like to maybe start off the show? It's a Sales Gold podcast. Tell us what you love about sales. Alexander, the thing that made me fall in love with sales was just getting results. Like I loved that at the end of the day, the end of a week or any given month, that I could see my contribution to the bottom line. I could see what I actually did. And it was a tangible thing. And I absolutely fell in love with that. Um, you know, I grew up an athlete and there was always a scoreboard and sales just gave you that scoreboard to constantly aim for. And, uh, you know, ever since I did it, when I was uh, really, really young, I just absolutely loved it. Nice. And you mentioned getting results. So I know that you manage a team. Maybe you could tell us a little bit what you do. And do, do you really get a lot of joy and fulfillment helping others get results? Yeah, I've, I've been very lucky in my career that almost every sales role that I've had, I've had to, I've, I've had the privilege of working with people who are new into sales. And I've had a lot of opportunity to coach and develop people. And that's really where my strength is. And, and a lot of my career, if you look back at it, um, I've helped people grow from, you know, almost no experience whatsoever to going on to great careers in sales and in sales leadership. And if you look at my background and my experience, I don't know why and I don't know how, but I just always ended up gravitating to that. And do you find that you have to change depending on who you're trying to work with? Uh, like if you're managing an account executive or an inside sales, do, do you have a, a different approach? Yeah, and I don't think it's role-based. I think you always have to take a personal approach to every single person that you work with. So to me... The, the real key in coaching and helping develop people is to get to understand their motivation and the things that they care about. And I'm not talking about the stereotypical money, you know, or things. It's the actual motivation. Like, why are you doing what you do? Why are you in sales? And I, I find that you have to tailor yourself to a specific person and persona regardless of role. And if you're able to understand who they are, and what they, why they want to do what they want to do, you and you tend to have better results and, and actually impact people more. I wonder when you're dealing with brand new sales reps and you're helping them get results, when you see the results and you see how they get the results, what kind of uh, environment is that? Like, how do they feel? So it's a great question. I, I think before I answer that, I, I, for me, there is a distinction between the results that uh, myself and the company that I'm working with want to get versus the results that the person I'm working with wants to get, right? And I think the best kind of situation is where you find 
a common ground where those two things overlap, right? So a lot of times you're able to get the company results and you know the metrics and the and the sales that that you're looking to do, and you can get that on a monthly basis. But most of the time, if I'm doing my job right, people's targets and people's goals and their aspirations is not something that necessarily has a KPI or measurable, whether it's monthly or quarterly, but it's something that is, is um, it, you, they slowly gain to an actual larger goal. So you have to look at both of those things and you have to stop and measure and check in that you're doing, you're doing both of those. And, and if you're going to be effective, you have to find a point where those two meet and, and actually complement each other. You know, I would just assume, Alid, that all salespeople have goals. But when you're the people on your team or anyone that you've coached and mentored in the past, did they all have goals or was that one of the things that you had to get your sales reps on board with? You know, that's a great question because what I found is, you know, salespeople will sometimes it, they get lazy about their goals. There's an assumption that my goal is my number. The ones that are more savvy say, okay, well, my real goal is pipe gen. So if I'm able to generate pipeline, the number does what it does. But very few of them actually sit down and think about their career. And it's up to you as a leader to actually aspire that. Because especially when you're young, you know, you're in there to do a job and sometimes it's overwhelming. And, you know, if, if you are the kind of person that is uh, self-reflective, you almost never think that you're doing a good job. So you tend to really focus on the tactics and the methodology that you're using without really focusing on a bigger goal. So it is, is to me, it's the leader's job to make sure that, you know, any single person is seeing the forest for the trees. And I'll tell you, that's difficult for anyone. Um, it, it was difficult for me. You know, it took me a while to understand that I have to spend a certain percentage of my week focusing on on personal development and the things that I have to do and I only ended up doing that because someone gave me one feedback to permission to go do that and and every good leader will pass that on to to the next generation how much uh, time do you spend each week on personal development I, I spend two hours a day I always carve out uh, two hours of my day and I do certain things, right? Um, you know, part of your development is getting perspective on different things um, and talking to different people and getting people's opinions. The, the thing that I learned early on is just because I have an answer to something, it doesn't mean that it's the right one or the only one um, or the best one. So it's always good to engage people's different perspectives. So I actually have a cadence and knowing who to connect with and when. So I carve out a couple hours a day, um, you know, and during the during the week, they add up to quite a few things. And the great thing is, is you. what I found is when I reach out to people, you know, who are adjacent to my team or other people that I trust, that that amount of time that I spend with them for personal development and growth ends up leading to productivity because you end up talking about things that are going to move the needle, not just your personal, um, you know, not just your personal agenda. Yeah, yeah. The And I love it. So personal development and growth, when you are getting in touch with people to talk to them and to work things through, are they within your organization or have you set yourself up to communicate with people outside of your organization? 
That, that's uh, that's also a really good question. It's like you've done this before, Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> I love coaching. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd say 80% of it is internal. Um, you know, the people that I've stayed in touch with externally have people that I've worked with in the past. And I have quite a few people that I stay engaged with. Um, but it's also important for me to stay internal because a lot of times you're facing similar goals and, and, and similars. You have similar goals and are facing similar challenges. Um, and, you know, I'm again, I'm very lucky. The company I'm with now, the companies that I worked for before um, have been to the medium until the larger side. And they've always had incredibly talented people um, that, that are very diverse for me to learn from. Has it always been that way? Has it in, in the different companies that you work for? Have there always been ample amount of leadership to, to help guide you? I find that it has been. But the, the difference for me in the last few years has been myself. I found that the opportunities for me were always there, but I was not taking advantage of them because I was not aware that I should be and that they were available to me. So the, the shift that I made was that. And the real shift for me, though, happened when, you know, I have a, I have a younger brother who's also in sales. He's uh, 10 years younger than I am. And we had an occasion to spend some time together. We were working in the same company, but different departments. And uh, I got to spend a lot of time talking to him. And I found myself learning a lot, you know, from someone who was 10 years younger than me, not as tenured. Um, and to me, that's that just opened my eyes. You know, I, I said, if someone and, and, you know, the trust was there because we're, we're siblings. But if someone 10 years younger with not a lot of experience can just give me a different perspective on things and help me attack things from a different angle, then I'm really missing out on talking to other people as well who, who will have different perspectives uh, on, on whatever that I'm facing. That's really interesting because you make a shift and you start to open your eyes, yet you're learning from someone 10 years your junior. What what was it that, you know, people will open their eyes? Is it just a maturity thing or is it a wisdom thing that suddenly comes up? Do you, do you know what it is? I think it's ego, right? You know, when it's very easy, and I'm talking about my ego, obviously. Uh, when you're a competitive person, when you're driven to win, um, sometimes your ego gets in the way, your sense of responsibility that I have to do this myself and, you know, I need to, uh, I, I need to be a strong person that can deliver and, you know, I, I, if I can't do it by myself, I'm, I'm lesser for it. And it's the one, it's 180 from the reality, right? It, the, the, the reality is, is that you have to exist in an environment where you have mentors, you have peers, you have people that work with you. So once you're able to get rid of that, you know, ego or that sense of I have to do this, then that's that, that for me anyway, that was the shift. Yeah. Do you help salespeople cultivate a healthy ego? Uh, I think, no, not really ego. You know, I, I, I would call it confidence, right? I, I think that's the thing that I have to focus on. And, uh, you know, some of it is positive reinforcement. But like I said, I, I'm in a situation where I'm fortunate to work with a lot of younger folks that aren't very tenured. And you have to show them that it's not as scary as you think it is. And a no is not a bad thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with having ego, with having some swagger and not having that irrational confidence. Right. But um, you have to go a little deeper than that, you know, you can't, you can't assume that because someone's acting confident that they are confident. Um, you know, this is where knowing the person really, really helps. But 
I, I focus more on 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 confidence. I don't love ego. I hated it about me. Um, I think you need to go in humble into a lot of situations, especially when you're reaching out for help. Imagine taking my advice, asking for help and asking for perspective, but having enough of an ego to not listen, right? <laughs> it's a, you know, so you have to have confidence, but you also have to have humility and, and being genuine when you ask for help. I'm, I've been trying to figure out what a strong ego means because I am selling to CEOs and some of the characteristics that CEO, CEOs have include a strong ego. So I, as I go in, I want to be on the same level as a CEO. So I feel I need to cultivate a strong ego, but I'm not really quite sure what exactly that is. You know, that's, and again, I want to differentiate between having a strong ego and being egotistical, right? Because sometimes when people hear the word ego, they, you know, they think of, you know, that guy from, uh, you know, the movie from the 80s, Wall Street, you know, he's egotistical and, you know, I'm better than everyone else. But to me, ego is having a, a sense of self-worth, right? And understanding, um, you know, the value that you have and, and the fact that you you are worth something that is not just what people put yes. on you, right? Yes. So, so, and that's important in sales, whether it's time management, whether it's, making sure you're earning the right kind of compensation, that you're being positioned well to succeed. So, you know, when you, when, when I, I feel like when I'm dealing with C-level folks, um, the minute that you see someone who's confident and someone that can delegate and actually work with people around them, but they understand that their time is valuable, that's when I know I'm dealing with someone that it, that is worth my time. Someone who thinks that their time and, and their uh, place is above you that's egotistical and that yes. just needs a different different approach. Yes. Yeah. I think that's why I like calling executives because I think most tend to deal with me a lot better than say someone who's maybe just a decision maker and not at the very top. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um did you always know that you wanted to lead others and coach others? No. Not at all. In fact, I, uh, you know, when I was younger and when I got into sales, when I look back at it, I felt like I was very much um, a lone wolf. A lot of the things, a lot of the jobs that I had before that were entrepreneurial. Um, there were, you know, I didn't want a boss. I didn't want people bossing me around. But I got into a situation where, um, you know, I, I, I was not great at my job and I was not focused on my job, but I had to get serious about it. And when I did, I earned the trust of the company that I was working for. And I had a great boss who understood, you know, the best way to motivate people is to enable them. So I ended up being in a position where I was helping people onboard and helping them with the training. And in fact, I ended up onboarding and helping to train the person who was going to be my manager. And as I started doing that, I realized that when I was helping other people, I got a lot of satisfaction out of that. I mean, I was closing deals. I was doing well. But that did not give me as much satisfaction as seeing someone come in, learn, develop, and then go well, and then them do well. That's why, you know, after I did that three or four times, I just my, I had my mindset on, I, I need to do this. I need to find a way to make more of an impact and affect people's lives. And today, if you ask me, what's my biggest achievements? What are the things that, are, that I'm proud of? I will name you people that I stay in touch with today 
that you know started off in a junior sales role and then I helped them move up and then after I was gone they continued to move up and you know they've affected their fortunes and their family's fortunes and uh, that's my pride lately that, that's where I feel the most pride is when I see them prospering and I'd like to think that I, I played a part in that what, what was the key to becoming moving from individual contributor to management like how did you how did you do that? Did, did, was it intentional? Were you in a good position? Was there a little bit of luck? How, how did that happen? Uh, all of it. All of it. I, I think anyone that's looking to get into leadership or move up anywhere, uh, you need to pick your spot. But the one thing that made a difference for me was finding that one person that believed in me and was willing to invest time and give me that break. Now, you know, break sounds like, I, I, I don't want it to sound like it was lucky. Uh, I was whining about it a lot and I was demanding it quite a bit, but I found that one person that I got to trust me and gave me responsibility for me to go make mistakes and learn and develop. And uh, you have to do all those things, right? You have to show that you can do the job that's at hand, that you're passionate and you're dedicated to do the next work. But you also have to find that one person that's willing to invest the time in, in you. You need that sponsor that is going to help you build your brand, build your uh, skill level and ultimately give you a shot. Hmm. Your sponsor. So like your your champion? 100%. Yeah. So you just have to keep your eyes open, take a look, see who it could be. And then would you just ask them? Yeah, well, I don't think it's the it's, so I would say that you that that's not that's not exactly how it go about it. What I would say is, is uh, you know, and we got this, uh, we, we, we had a speaker come in and talk about this. You are who your five closest people are, right? right. So it, you need to surround yourself and have people around you that you want to be around. Uh, if you just focus on the one person, you know, that's, that's borderline brown nosing, but at the same time, you're limiting your potential. Uh, but I would say find a lot of leaders that you trust, you like their style, and you know that you can learn a lot from them and constantly engage them and be in front of them and someone will take you on if, if, if not more than the one person. So I don't zero in on one, just find yeah. quite a few people that you trust and that you're impressed by and have a very transparent, open conversation. I, I didn't get to, uh, into leadership until I sat down and I said, this is what I want. This is why I want it. Um, these are the things I think I need to do to get there. And that's when he came back to me and he said, I'm going to help you get there, but everything you just rhymed off either has to wait or is utter crap, right? So stick with me and here's what we're going to do and here are the things that I need you to go do. And I wonder how you can get that outside your organization. I think I saw somewhere recently that 50% of managers just don't have time for their reps. So I wonder how you can get that maybe outside your organization. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting thought, especially, you know, obviously, um, I, I live in Toronto, right? And the Toronto market right now, especially on the tech side, is is booming. So there's a lot of networking opportunities. And I think if you're focused on expanding your network and the people that you know, you're going to get plenty of opportunities that way. So, you know, network really well, engage with people and find like-minded people and you'll get there. The other thing I would say, too, is, you know, the people that are going to champion you and sponsor you and help you develop, 
it is not always going to be your direct manager or your direct report. So if you're a, if you're a frontline salesperson, if you're an individual contributor and you want to move up into leadership, don't just talk to your leader about it, right? Socialize it. Let people know this is your intent. Not that you want it today or that this is something that you've earned and should have, but that this is where what your thought process is. These are where your goals are, regardless of your timeline. You know, socialize outside of your immediate circle uh, of influence. Awesome. Hey, Walid, regarding coaching, do you have any favorite coaching moments in your sales career? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, it's actually my first breakthrough, and, and I'll never forget this. You know, I had, uh, I, I was new to sales leadership, and because of that, um, I didn't have a lot of credibility with the team that uh, I was working with. And uh, just to give you some quick background, it was an inside outside sales model and I was leading the inside sales team. And I had someone who wasn't really happy with the, the direction or the feedback I was giving them. And instead of actually just, you know, coming to me with it again, no credibility, totally understandable. They actually went to the field sales manager and, you know, it was sort of an ambush, right? Here's a room, here's a meeting. And this is all the crap and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the field sales manager, to, to his credit, said, listen, talk to your boss about this. Why the heck are you looping me in? So what happened in that instant, you know, I, I, I said, listen, please just stay in the room. We got to talk this through. And we had a very transparent conversation. And, and, and it was my fault that we'd never had one before. And we had a very transparent conversation. And it was very uncomfortable for, for the sales rep. But essentially the conversation was, listen, if, if you don't want to do this, and if you're not happy with the way that we're working with each other, then, you know, make a change. You yeah. know, it was, it was a tough conversation, but the reality was we weren't working well together. I wasn't going to go anywhere, um, but make a change. So then the follow-up to that is, and this is where I had a great mentor. I had a conversation like, here, this, this is what happened. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do, you know, and, and, and what he told me was, listen, you, you've, you've knocked this person down. Now you got to build them back up. So how are you going to do that? I said, I, I don't know. That's why I'm in the room with you. You tell me. And he said, okay, think about what is this person like? What do they want? What do they crave? And I didn't know. I had not known to ask the questions and I was not that engaged on a personal level with, uh, with any of my reps. And we talked it through for about 15 minutes. And what he helped me see is that this person liked attention, liked responsibility, right? They liked the, the spotlight. And, uh, and he said, listen, you need to show him that you trust him and give him something to do to build him back up. Give him the spotlight. Give him the thing that he craves the most. Not sales numbers, but that attention. So we, we ended up very lucky, like a week later, we had some project with new contracts or whatever. We needed to roll it out to the team. And I said, hey, listen, I, I, I'd like you to do this, right? I, I, we're going to roll this out to the team. I'd like you to take the responsibility. And his eyes just went wide open. Mm. Could not believe that after that discussion that we had the week before, that I was actually giving him responsibility. And then, and then on top of that, as he was doing the presentation, this is back in the day when... You know, not a lot of things were electronic. A lot of things were on paper. Yeah. Um, he had printed out the wrong contracts to redistribute. Uh, and the whole team was in the meeting. So I grabbed them and I said, folks, I apologize. I printed out the wrong uh, contracts. I'll be right back. Just give me five minutes. 
you go through the first set, I'll have the second set printed out. I went and I got them. And after that, um, you know, we were fantastic. He was super engaged. Uh, the trust was rebuilt immediately. And, and we, you know, we, we stay in touch to this point. And, and I'll, I'll never forget that. That my whole philosophy around, you know, coaching and understanding people on a personal level and their motivation all comes from that moment. Wow, amazing. And do you find that when new people join the team, it's really the, the start is trust? Yeah, it has to be. But, but you know, I, I have a different way of building that now than, uh, you know, that long story I gave you. So, so my, my philosophy on trust is this. Trust isn't something that someone has to earn. You know, and, and I, I hear people say that about trust and respect. I have a completely different view on it. To me, trust, respect, that's something that I'm going to give you and you'll have an opportunity to lose it. So I'm going to give you that right up front, right? So the whenever someone new starts on the team, the initial thing is let's have a transparent conversation. These are what my expectations are and this is what we do. But for me after that, in order to get people to actually share and open up, you have to do that yourself and it's not easy. You have to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there if you want people to put themselves out there as well. So I, I am, I'm fortunate that I've had enough repetition, I've made enough mistakes that I know how to get there quickly. So the transparent conversation, the, the implicit trust up front and, uh, and putting yourself out there, it helps, helps develop that right away. Yeah. You know, I think that you, you'd hear the word vulnerability. If you show vulnerability, you're showing weakness, but it's not that way at all. It's the opposite, right? It's, uh, that's the ultimate strength is when you, you can put yourself out there and be vulnerable and, uh, and not, not really worry about what, uh, what happens. This question might be out of left field, but it just came to me. But Waleed, do you think about your legacy? Ah, oh, you're making me feel old. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think about my legacy, and um, and it's hard for me to to speak further than that because I haven't really thought about it. But my immediate reaction to legacy is, I think the legacy is is in the people, and the the, the I I personally have not built anything that I could say is big enough to be a legacy. Everything that I've done, I've done with the help of others. I've helped with the engagement of others, whether it's people helping me in my personal life to allow me to develop professionally or people supporting me at the professional side to, to help me develop and help me drive success. Mm-hmm. I don't think about my legacy right now. Uh, Alexander, I think, you know, I have three young kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm lucky enough that they grow up that, uh, you know, it's it's memorable and they make an impact, that's great. Yeah. Um, but I, I just focus on, on maybe my focus is helping other people find legacies. How about that? Yeah, no, that sounds good. I mean, you think about it, all the people that you've touched, you've helped their career, you've helped them grow, and maybe they've moved on and they've been really successful elsewhere. And they've had an effect on their families and the people in their life. I think that probably qualifies for your legacy. Uh, I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what is selling done for your life? Uh, it's, it's helped impact uh, my family's fortune a lot. Um, you know, that's, that's the easy answer. But yeah. 
the thing that really made a difference for me is, and I, I, there's no explanation for this, but this, the skills that I learned in selling and sales leadership, and again, I've been fortunate to work with companies that have invested a lot in my development, they're transferable skills. There are things that I learned that helped me do my job, that have helped me in how I engage and interact with people. They've helped me in my personal life. They've helped me with my professional relationships. Um, you know, the, if the number one adage in sales is, you know, you listen a lot, you speak less. And I was not, I was not a person like that at all. Um, and and that, that, that is an example of one thing that changed with me that has absolutely impacted me a lot. The, the other thing that's big for me, and if you spend any time with me, you'll know that, you know, when, when it comes to conversations, I'm, I'm an inch wide, mile deep. Uh, and, uh, and I ask a lot of questions and I'm very curious and, uh, you know, maybe that helped me in sales, but maybe yeah. sales helped me with this, but I get really curious to the point where I've got a real back. Cause sometimes people are looking at me like, aren't you a little, uh, <laughs> nosy dude? Yeah. <laughs> curiosity is a really great trait for a salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. And genuine curiosity, right? Genuine yeah. curiosity uh, can be good. And, uh, it served me well, right? I just have a general, you know, the, the joke that I have is my wife and I will be driving and, you know, when we stop at a red light, we'll see people crossing the street. And I just turn to her sometimes and I say, I bet you she's got a really interesting life story. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before I ask you your best piece of advice, I'm going to put you through the sales rapid fire trivia challenge. Okay, Our, okay so here's the instructions while I I've got 15 questions. Mm -hmm. I'll give you 60 seconds to answer all 15. <laughs> it's just not going to happen, but uh, well, you never know. If you're stuck, just say pass and I'll move on to the next question. Okay. So let's see how many you can answer correctly. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. The okay. clock will begin after I ask you the first question. Are you ready? I am ready. The average spend on training per sales rep per year is A, 8,788, B, 773, or C, $1,947? C. What is telephonobia? Pass. Who sold Alaska to the United States, Russia or Canada? Russia. True or false, 92% of all customer interactions happen on the phone. True. In Arthur Miller's play, Death of a Salesman, what role did Willie Loman play? He was a salesman. If you had to eat two frogs, which one should you eat first? The first one. Who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World? Pass. What sells more, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. 64% of salespeople who fail do so because A, they're in the wrong job, or B, they cannot sell. Uh, A. Sales of these peaked in 1987. Uh, cassette tapes. What will move you forward and closer to your goals? Planning. What was what was prohi prohibited during prohibition? Alcohol. Are you allowed to sell your soul on eBay? Yes. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> what do I win, Alexander? What, what do, do I win? win? <laughs> well, you know, in season number two of the Sales Gold podcast, you are the champion hey. so far. <laughs> with okay, how many you got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
10. Okay, which ones, which ones did I get wrong? Okay, you're not allowed to sell your soul on eBay. Okay. Apparently, someone was trying to sell their soul, and then they created this policy that you can't do that. Um, sales of these peaked in 1987. Uh, 22% of American homes had a uh, waterbed. Waterbed. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> waterbed. Uh, let's see. You got Coke. Who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World? That's Og Mandino. Okay. And Telephonobia is fear of the telephone oh that, I, no wonder i don't know what that is <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good very good well that was very good thank you for indulging me thank you for playing my game thank you for having uh, having me on the podcast <laughs> my pleasure okay look i have to ask you um I'm, I'm looking for your best piece of advice so someone's uh, into sales or they're in a slump, or you know they're they're downloading this podcast. They want to make themselves better. Um, what what's your best piece of advice to the sales professional out there? You are not alone. This is not your responsibility alone. There are people out there that want to help you, that should be helping you. Reach out and ask for help. Get rid of your ego and make sure that you're getting help because you are not alone in this and it's it's a team game always and if you find yourself in a situation where you're not getting the support and you're not getting the help change your situation go to a spot where you have that support because sales is never a one-person show it should always be a team sport yeah yeah so if you're not getting your help then yeah change your situation just like make a move right 100 percent, 100 percent. you you if you are, if you're going to succeed in sales, you've got to give everything and you got to make sure that you're in an environment that gives back. Right. I mean, sales is the greatest profession in the world, in my opinion, and you can be very successful. And if you just have some help, I mean, we all need help while lead, right? Yeah. Just get some help to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. No one, no one's ever gotten to the finish line on their own. It, they always have people around them. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm sorry, I, I meant to ask you this, and I'm a little late, but in terms, you know, talking about help, do you want to give any of your sales mentors a shout out? Uh, any of my sales mentors? Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, look, the best the best people that helped me um, in my sales career initially is Rob Ray. Uh, Rob, if you're out there, um, I've told you before how much of an impact you've had on my career and life. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Dan Crouch as well. Um, he's the first person to, um, you know, challenge me hard. Not just develop me, but but challenge me. Dan, uh, thanks a lot. And you know, my my current my uh, my current leader now, Jeff Kenny. I've been working with him for almost four years, and uh, he gives me the space to make mistakes and relies um, on my judgment. And uh, you know, I'm I'm eternally thankful for him. I'm. Uh, you know, I, if, if I'm good at what I do, it's because of uh, the people that I've uh, worked with and worked for. Nice. So Rob, Dan, Jeff, good job, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Waleed, uh, do you um, do you use social media? Do you want to send anything out there? Should people connect with you in any way in LinkedIn or email? What yeah, you, yeah, what uh, absolutely. You know, I'm on LinkedIn, Waleed Haboob. Uh, I'll obviously be sharing this particular uh, podcast link. Uh, but, you know, look me up uh, if you have any questions. If you're one of those people that feel like you're not getting the support that you need and you're just looking for 
um, advice. I'm more than happy to help any young professional with their career. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on the program, Alid. Thank you very much for having me.